0: As COVID cases continue to skyrocket because of the Omicron variant, Central Indiana prepares to host the College Football Playoff National Championship. Health experts weigh in on how to keep Hoosiers safe, leading to the huge event. Plus, President Biden and Indiana leaders reflect on the January 6th insurrection, where the investigation stands now. And a new session underway at the State House, the governor and both parties outline their plans for the new year. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. COVID-19 trends are still on the rise here in Indiana. You can see how every county in the state is at the highest or the second highest category for community spread. With the number of Omicron cases continuing to grow, officials are asking Hoosiers to take every precaution to keep themselves out of the hospital. Aaliyah Blackburn explains what some think is driving this latest surge
1: and what's next. We're now approaching our peak levels of inpatient activity for the entire pandemic.
2: And that's what hospitals are seeing as Indiana continues a massive winter surge. And doctors think one thing is behind it.
1: We do feel that this is likely being driven by by Omicron cases,
2: even though the State Department of Health still shows Delta as the dominant variant. Hospitals say that's because they're waiting on updated numbers. Still, health officials know the virus spreads quickly.
1: This variant is much more contagious than the previous one, at least two to three times and maybe more than that.
2: And health officials feel the winter season isn't helping contain the spread.
3: Some of it is the weather, people are inside, some of it is the holidays and large gatherings that people have been around, but some of it's the virus itself.
2: And though everything isn't bad news, Dr. Paul Driscoll with Franciscan Health feels the next month could start to turn things around in the pandemic.
1: The current modeling that we're seeing uh suggests that uh, optimistically the Omicron surge may peak by the end of this month and then start to
3: drop down.
2: However, health officials are quick to admit, as we've learned with this pandemic, things could change at any moment.
3: We've got a month or two ahead of us. It's going to be very tough.
0: That was Aaliyah Blackburn reporting. Meanwhile, the CDC is standing by its guidance that patients who become infected with COVID can stop isolating after five days If they are asymptomatic or feeling only mildly ill, they are still not required to get a negative test result first. The CDC added a caveat saying if someone, quote, has access to a test and wants to test, they may. And those who test positive should isolate for another five days. The CDC is also encouraging people coming out of isolation to continue wearing masks for an additional five days. The 2022 legislative session is officially underway at the Indiana State House. A bill to limit vaccine mandates is on its way to the full Indiana House for a vote. It requires private employers with vaccine mandates to also offer a testing option to workers who don't want to get vaccinated. Kristen Eskow has more.
4: A bill to limit vaccine mandates by private employers on its way to the Indiana House. House Majority Leader Matt Lehman is the bill's author.
1: I think the bill's in a pretty good place right now.
4: Lehman's bill would require private businesses with COVID vaccine mandates to allow employees to opt out if they agree to weekly testing. Lehman added an amendment that would allow workers who are denied exemptions from vaccine mandates to apply for unemployment benefits. And that employer would be solely responsible for the cost of those benefits for their dismissed employees. Leaders of the business community say it would further discourage vaccine mandates.
0: I don't think employers should be penalized for um, terminating uh, employees who refuse to get
1: vaccinated or uh, submit to to weekly testing.
4: Lehman says he's willing to consider changes to who pays for those unemployment benefits.
1: I think we still have to keep some form of a of a trigger that says if I'm, if I'm fired over this, that I'm, that I'm automatically qualified for unemployment.
4: The amendment also expands exemptions for natural immunity, allowing COVID-19 survivors to opt out of a vaccine mandate if they submit test results showing they have a certain level of antibodies. Democrats say they're disappointed the bill is moving forward in its current form.
5: Let's get rid of this crazy stuff about telling employers that they don't know how to keep their employees uh, safe within their workplaces.
4: Speaker Todd Houston says the full house could vote on the bill as soon as next week. We aren't stopping the spread vaccination protects me. It protects me. It doesn't
0: mean that I can't give it to you. The bill also requires employers to cover the cost of testing. Lehman's amendment would also allow business owners to apply for reimbursement from the state. That's something some business community members say is at least a step in the right direction. Meanwhile, this past week, Governor Eric Holcomb laid out his agenda for 2022. Among his goals... Holcomb wants to cut taxes for businesses by eliminating the 30 percent business personal property tax floor on new equipment. He says he's also fo- focused on education and wants to ensure children are better prepared to start kindergarten. Holcomb also wants to bring more remote workers to Indiana and look for other ways to strengthen the state's workforce.
1: We also know that um, just like every business out there, having talent is paramount to your success i want to make sure that we're able to retain and recruit the best talent to state government this is going to require an investment as well
0: governor holcomb governor holcomb also wants to help local governments strengthen their cybersecurity. he also wants to expand the state's law enforcement training board to include more civilians governor holcomb and other state leaders began the session this past week by praying for public servants health workers and the media and the year ahead. After the prayers, it was down to business for state lawmakers. Democratic party leaders laid out what they want to see happen this year.
1: Let's think about what Indiana uh, could be. Let's put the welfare of Hoosiers first.
4: House Minority Leader Phil Giaquinta says he doesn't want to see the state sit on its surplus. It's expected to reach five billion dollars this year. He's calling on lawmakers to use that funding to tackle several issues, including child care costs, student loan debt and climate change. He also wants the legislature to consider paid family leave and medical leave and a child tax credit. In the
6: past we've had a lot of tax cuts and tax breaks for businesses. The idea is that, hey, why can't we do something to help those in the uh, middle to lower income?
4: Some Republicans, including House Speaker Todd Houston, have said they want the legislature to consider tax cuts this session. I asked Houston whether he's open to considering a child tax credit.
5: We'll be releasing our tax bill tomorrow. I like what's in it. We'll consider all options. I'm not closing down anything that gives people back their money.
4: Leaders on both sides of the aisle say they believe there are some issues both parties can reach compromise on particularly when it comes to health care costs.
1: I do think we have some common goals. I think working together lower health care costs, working together lower
6: energy costs. Because that's something that I know that both sides have, have, have talked about. Um, how we get there, you know, maybe um, and we have some little differences of opinion, but I think that's one issue that I think we can work together on.
0: Mm-hmm. Governor Holcomb has said he's against any spending of the surplus this year since it's not a year to revisit the budget. He says he's willing to look at ways to use that funding when the budget is rewritten in 2023. In the nation's capital, it's back to work as well. President Joe Biden's Build Back Better plan remains in limbo. National voting rights and the January 6th investigation are also high on the congressional agenda as lawmakers return to Washington, D.C. this week. President Biden marked one year since the January 6th assault on the Capitol with a blistering speech directly blaming former President Trump.
1: The former president of the United States of America has created and spread a web of lies about the 2020 election. He's done so because he values power over principle, because he sees his own interest as more important than his country's interest, than America's interest. And because his bruised ego matters more to him than our democracy or our constitution. He can't accept he lost.
0: Indiana Congressman Andre Carson says he will never forget the events of January 6th. He watched the riot unfold from a building across the street. After the chaos cleared, federal investigators found a note with his name on it inside a truck that was filled with explosives. The note singled out Carson as a Muslim member of Congress representative told us it's quote dangerous to downplay the riot
5: i'm very pleased to see the work that the uh, the commission is doing uh, to review january 6th but unfortunately i think what we are witnessing is a major far-right disinformation and propaganda campaign to change what happened on january 6th and try to gaslight the american people what i want people to remember is that this was not just a protest that got out of hand it was a deadly terror attack orchestrated in part by a sitting president and members of congress for me it was almost reminiscent of the hostility that was felt when i uh, walked across the street uh, 10 years prior with john lewis to cast our vote for the affordable care act mm. and people were hurling you know uh, racial epithets toward us and John looked at me and said this reminds me of a darker time brother and you know now we had a president sitting president who encouraged this kind of behavior and I think that in order for us to move forward we have to acknowledge what happened there are some Republicans on the other side who are doing their due diligence in terms of wanting to bring uh, certain truths to light but we still have much more work to do
0: Representative Larry Bouchon tweeted a statement on the insurrection, saying, quote, I'm reminded of the immense bravery exhibited by the Capitol Police on January 6th. It's thanks to their actions that the Capitol complex, members of Congress, and thousands of staffers were protected from the riots that occurred in the Capitol that day. Coming up next, we'll talk to our panel about the January 6th anniversary and about that bill regarding vaccine mandates in the state. And former Marion County Prosecutor Carl Brizzy has passed away. We'll look back at his life and the service to the community. Welcome back to In Focus. Time to bring in our panel to talk about the events of the week. Joining us now are Dr. Laura Wilson, political science professor of the University of Indianapolis, Abdul-Hakim Shabazz of IndyPolitics.org, former Republican State Representative Mike Murphy, and... Robin Winston, the former Democratic State Party chairman, thank you all for joining us today. Um, we'll start with the uh, legislation regarding the uh, vaccine mandate making its way through the state house right now. Robin Winston, I'll start with you. Is this a good time, as cases and hospitalizations in the state are rising, for the uh, the state house to consider basically discouraging businesses to do these vaccine
1: mandates? Well, Bob, it's a perplexing time. We have hospitals that are fully staffed, that are overrun, emergency rooms that are overrun, a business climate in the state with the chamber being an advocate for making sure that businesses can make their own decisions about how they work. It's very interesting. Usually Republicans say, keep your hands off business, let them do what they want. But in this case, they're getting down to the minutiae and telling businesses what they can and cannot do. There will be some compromises as it moves forward we're still in the throes of a big pandemic that we ought to address. Mike, I'll bring you
0: into the conversation. I mean, the unemployment benefit pro- provision as well, that's something that that uh, Republican business leaders um, have opposed.
3: Yes. It's, you know, as, as Robin said, I have a lot of respect, first of all, for Matt Lehman, but um, this is one of those rare times in the state house when up is down and down is up. I mean, very rarely are the Democrats the allies of the Indiana chamber. But in this case, it, it, that's the way it, it should be, or not the way it should be, but the way it is. And I, I think what should happen is people should follow the science and follow Governor Holcomb's lead. He hasn't led us uh, astray yet.
0: Wilson, uh, Laura Wilson, I'll bring you into the, the conversation right now. It is a, a difficult political uh, calculation for the Republicans, isn't it, considering uh, the business leaders are one of their core constituencies?
7: It absolutely is, and it really reaffirms the point that Mike made, which is that you wouldn't always think of this being a stance necessarily um, the conservative party would take. The the real question here is who has the right to do what, who has the right to enforce what, and in this case, um, you really see the Republicans kind of pushing back from this, and as he mentioned, the Indiana chamber said this is really problematic. It could be detrimental for people to create a safe workplace for their employees, so you see this weird entanglement I think, in terms of individual liberties, that we just don't usually see play out in this way in the state house.
0: Abdul, I'll bring you into our conversation now as well. We've already seen some changes to this legislation, actually fairly quickly. What are the chances of it ultimately passing, and in what version would you see this uh, this legislation passing?
6: Well, in a nutshell, Bob, we have sort of two different versions of this legislation right now. You have the House version and the Senate version. Uh, both uh, include include the details the governor needed to lift the state of emergency. So that's not the, the problem. It's the House version that has the exemptions uh, for the vaccine mandates, which is not uh, in the Senate bill. And this is like, you know, once everyone wants to spend a billion dollars, the other one wants to spend 250 million, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll be in the middle. But this is either you, you want the vaccine mandates uh, or you don't. And uh, like I said, I gotta agree with Robin on this one, which is gonna surprise everybody. I mean, I thought Indiana was you know, a very pro-business, pro-business friendly state. And when we get into this sort of micromanagement, you can only imagine what's going to be next
0: well would you see that uh, some of the pressure that the business community would put on this legislation changing it or do you think that the uh, the republicans are going
6: to dig in um i think right now uh, everything is so flexible because we still got plenty of time uh, to go between now and, and before the end of session uh, but i would look for that mark I would look for that february 5th date because that is the because actually that's the date for primary challenges to be filed and so if someone's going to have a primary challenge because of this vaccine mandate They'll probably know by February 5th. And after that, everything changes. All right, let's move on and talk about the anniversary of the insurrection. Um, Robin, Willi-
0: uh, Winston, I'll ask you, uh, President Biden very, very definitively changing his tone, directly attacking President Trump on this anniversary. Did that surprise you or do you think that it's been a long time coming?
1: Look, Joe Biden has been the guy taking the Amtrak down from Wilmington to the, to the nation's capital for a long time. He served as vice president for eight years. He understands and believes in the fundamental right for us to have a strong federal government and for the federal government to make a difference in people's lives. This is not only an attack on our democracy, it's an attack on the whole underpinning of our nation. So, no, it didn't surprise me. I think he's just about had it. And I think what you saw the other day was a culmination of that.
0: Mike, we saw that Hoosiers were staying, Republicans were staying largely silent on this anniversary. They're in a bit of a political conundrum,
3: aren't they? Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many Hoosiers were arrested for various felonies and misdemeanors on the grounds that day, but I think it's over 700 around the nation. Um, You know, Biden's speech was very powerful yesterday. I didn't agree with all of it, but I'll tell you, the only way to beat a bully is to punch him right in the nose, and that's what Biden did.
0: Well, do you agree with some of uh, the other Republicans who say that it just politicizes the event even more, Mike?
3: No, I think it was a, frankly, I think it was a historic speech. I think historians will be studying that for for 100 years or more. If somebody had to say what Biden said yesterday, I wish it were a Republican that said it. In fact, if you go back and look at the tape from January 6th, Republicans were saying that. Uh, Ted Cruz tweeted out that it was a terrorist action and all the terrorists should be uh, prosecuted. And now he's sniveling before Tucker Carlson because uh, that's well, that's that's Ted Cruz. He (laughs) snivels.
0: Laura, I'll I'll let that I'll let that comment just stand. Uh, Laura, I mean, talk to me about whether or not this is going to be a change in tactic for the Democrats, especially as voting rights legislation becomes more and more top of mind.
7: I think it could absolutely be that opportunity, Uh, particularly when we talk about voting rights and um, how important it is for them. That's been one of the things that they've wanted to pass. Of course, nobody forgets that this is a congressional midterm election year. And to be able to use this, I will will say that politicization, we should avoid it. But to be fair, Lindsey Graham tweeted that this was a political event. It was going to be politicized. Uh, But to use this as a platform and say, look, our democracy can be under attack. It can be Threatened, but it holds firm. We should also, this will be the Democrat argument, use this to make sure more people are enfranchised and have the right to vote. I I think to make that connection would be really powerful for the party. And it'd also be really important coming to congressional midterms, especially when Biden has had a rough many few months. Um, And typically your presidential party in power is punished during those midterm elections.
0: I don't want our segment to end without talking about the passing of Carl Brizzy, the former Marion County prosecutor, also a congressional candidate in the 5th District. Abdul, you were one of the first to break this story. What is Carl Brizzy's legacy going to be in Indiana politics?
6: I think it's going to be a mixed legacy overall. I mean, Carl did a lot of good things when he was county prosecutor uh, with respect to child support, uh, the criminal homicide record, also. Uh, taking sort of mobile units into crime-ridden neighborhoods, Uh, but then after his, but then he also has some issues as well uh, with Tim Durham and the fair finance scandal that he had to deal with, and also uh, some disciplinary actions uh, from the the Indiana Supreme Court. But I think overall, uh, Brizzy was a good man, a good friend. We worked together in uh, the law firm of Lewis and Wilkins. Uh, He will be missed. Mike, I'll give you the last word on this. We have just a few seconds left.
0: You went so far as to say that you wish that someone like Carl Brizzy was Marion County prosecutor again.
3: Well, I can tell you, he was a hard-driving po- uh, prosecutor when he walked into a room. The whole room lit up. He was a very charismatic guy. And I tell you, if he was prosecutor today, we wouldn't have the crime problem in Marion County that we have because he would have enforced the law.
0: All right. We'll let it stand there. Again, our thanks to our panel today. Just ahead on In Focus, tens of thousands of fans in central Indiana for the college football playoff title game. The concerns over the event becoming a super spreader. That's next. The college football playoff national championship game is tomorrow. All weekend long, thousands of fans have been arriving to enjoy the events in downtown Indianapolis. Doctors are raising concerns about the event's effect on the pandemic in Indiana. Cases and hospitalizations are reaching record levels with no masks required. Some worry the game could become a super spreader event.
3: It's really not a great time to hold an event like this just because Omicron is so transmissible, and it's kind of wildly going through the
0: population right now. Tournament officials are strongly recommending everyone wear masks and get vaccinated. Doctors say people who choose not to wear a mask are putting themselves at risk. We'll be right back with this week's Winners and Losers. Time for this week's Winners
1: and Losers. Robin Winston, we'll start with you. Uh, get ready, people that are going to hit me on social media. Dick Cheney and Liz Cheney. I mean, the guy went down there, stood with his daughter, and stood the line against the, the attack on our democracy. Loser of the week, Ted Cruz. Unless you had the vision of Ray Charles, I don't see how you could miss seeing the violent attack on the Capitol that day. And now they'll be walking it back, just not an appropriate thing to do.
3: Mike Murphy, you're up next. My winner has to be the family of Carl Brizzy, uh, representing a symbolic of all political families who give up their moms and their dads for weeks and months and sometimes years at a time in order to serve our state and our country. Um, Godspeed. All right, Laura Wilson, you're next.
7: So my winners are those who saved our capital and democracy from destruction one year ago on January 10th and the city of Indianapolis for hosting the national college football playoff. Well, I hope both teams play well. I will be watching from home cheering on my alma mater, the university of Alabama. Roll Tide.
6: Well, all right, Abdul, you get the final word this week. Uh, My winners, of course, the city of Indianapolis and all the folks have come together to work really hard to put uh, this weekend's events uh, together Monday night. And my losers uh, are the people who basically denied uh, the insurgency uh, a year ago. I mean, what those folks did, they committed treason, in my personal opinion, and they're my losers of the week. All right, that'll do it. Our thanks to our panel. And thank you for joining us this week. We'll see you again
0: next Sunday on In Focus.